This episode of Your Catholic Life is brought to you by Iowa Catholic Radio, connecting listeners with Christ, iowacatholicradio.com, and everywhere you are on the free Iowa Catholic Radio app. Welcome in, everyone, to Your Catholic Life, a podcast for Catholics by Catholics, helping you grow in your faith. I'm John Leonetti, your host. She's a patron of the contemplative life, penitent sinners, and hairdressers. St. Mary Magdalene, you know her name. She plays a prominent role in the Gospels. At one point, Jesus casted seven demons out of her. She remains one of the most popular saints in the Bible. But despite her popularity, there's still some confusion around her background. Nevertheless, what she did in her life and the level of contemplative love she shows our Lord is something that we would all do well to imitate. I had the opportunity to speak with Father Sean Davidson the other day about this great saint. He's a member of the Missionaries of the Holy Eucharist and author of the recently released book, St. Mary Magdalene, Prophetess of the Eucharistic Love. Here's how it went. Hello, Father. Good morning, John. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Who was St. Mary Magdalene? Oh, that's a, a controversial question, <laughs> for yeah. sure. Well, I, you know, I've written this book in accordance with the more traditional view of uh, who she was. It came about as a result of uh, my community, which is based in France, Missionaries of the Most Holy Eucharist. We were entrusted with the ancient basilica of Mary Magdalene in Provence, uh, where her relics uh, have always said to have been kept. That tradition was confirmed by a papal bull in the Middle Ages in the 13th century, so it's always been the sort of official uh, place of Magdalene's relics. And there the tradition has always held that she was the sister of Martha and Lazarus. So Luke calls her Mary, the one called Magdalene. Her name is Mary. She has this name of Magdalene as well that she somehow uh, got for herself. But the tradition there holds that she is the sister of Martha and Lazarus, and that a whole group of them First Christians were exiled from the Holy Land uh, during the first persecutions of Christianity, and somehow they ended up crossing the Mediterranean and coming to the port of Marseille in France, modern-day France, and they evangelized there and, uh, and brought the faith to France, uh, which is called the eldest daughter of the Church. Was she a prostitute? That, even in the traditional way of looking at her, if she was, uh, if she is the sister of Martha if she is the woman who uh, converted at Christ's feet, who wept at his feet in Luke chapter 7, it doesn't explicitly say anywhere that she was a prostitute. So right. it doesn't seem to, yeah. And she also seems to be a wealthy woman. Tradition has it that that was a very wealthy family. And hmm. so fitting in with the idea of a prostitute doesn't really uh, match. Where, where did that come from? I think that was a result of uh, Pope Gregory the Great uh, in, the, I think it's the 6th or 7th century, he gave a homily where he really concretized this idea that she was the sister of Martha and that she was the woman who wept at Christ's feet. And because it says she was a woman of the city who was known as a sinner, uh, he concluded that she was perhaps a, a, a prostitute. Well, that might have been a mistake. <laughs> it kind of, yeah, yeah it kind of took off from there, I suppose. That, that idea entered yeah. into everybody's head. It just says a sinner, and a, a kind of public sinner... You know, that was the conclusion he drew, but it may not be sure. the case. Tradition has it, or at least one idea on it is that she may have been a member of King Herod's court. You know, Herod was 
right beside Magdala in the town of Tiberias. He had constructed this huge town. Uh, the Jewish people didn't want to live there because it had been built on a cemetery, on a graveyard, so they considered it uh, unclean. So he drew in many uh, pagans, Greeks and Romans, and they kind of brought their own uh, pagan morality to the place. A certain amount of idolatry uh, came to that region. And so some say that Mary may have been swept along by the culture there, may have participated in some of these pagan rituals, and that would be mm. enough to gain for herself the, the, the reputation uh, that she might have had at that point. You take a different spin on this, though. You talk about her being a prophetess of Eucharistic love. What do you mean by that? Well, basically, I didn't know much about Mary Magdalene. You know, when I moved to, I moved to Provence uh, a few years ago, and uh, while we were there, our bishop gave us this, um, this basilica. I didn't know much about her at all, but I just took at uh, face value this tradition that they have. I said, I'll just give it a chance. I'll meditate on all of those texts. I'll put them all together, all those gospel texts, as though we were speaking about one woman here. And when I did, I found that it's a very beautiful uh, image, that when you dig deeply into it, there's a kind of pattern that runs through all of those different texts. There's a, it looks to me like the one extraordinary personality, and it's a personality that is filled with a most radical kind of love for Christ. It's not an ordinary love. It's, a, it's an extraordinary love, an extravagant kind of love. I was just reading this morning, St. Francis de Sales gave a very beautiful homily, on that traditional uh, image of Mary Magdalene. It's his 46th uh, sermon, a very beautiful sermon. But he says that oh, after Our Lady, nobody that we see in the Gospels has this kind of love uh, for Christ. And he says we always also find her at the feet of Christ. And that's true. In all of those images, at her conversion, she's at Christ's feet. At her, uh, with the Martha Mary text, she's at his feet. In the Lazarus raising, she falls at his feet. In the anointing, she's at his feet. The second anointing in mm. Bethany, at the foot of the cross, she's at his feet. At the resurrection, she's at his feet. So she's always found prostrate at his feet in a kind of posture of adoration and this intense love for Christ. So I started to meditate on them and see that these texts are really perfect for Eucharistic adoration. When we go wow. to the feet of Christ and we want to adore him, we want to have that radical love for the same Jesus that she loved, who is now truly present in the Blessed Sacrament, that you couldn't find better texts really to bring with you than these ones. So that's really why I, I wrote the book. I wanted to explain a little bit the tradition, but especially to help people to enter into Eucharistic adoration. i got 30 seconds left. I want people to get this book for Lent. Uh, it sounds like a great one. Where can they get it? At Ignatius Press uh, online or Amazon online. And I'm sure that it's probably in the Catholic bookstores, but I'm not sure. I haven't. I can't say yes. for definite. Check out Divine Treasures, friends. If they don't have it, they'll order it for you. St. Mary Magdalene, prophetess of Eucharistic love, Father Sean Davidson. Hey, thank you so much. This sounds like a fascinating read and a prayerful read as well. I'm going to get it myself. I'll put it on the Lent to do. God bless you, Father. God thank bless you. you, John. Thank you. So there you have it, friends. What would our lives be like if we imitated such a contemplative love? A love so deep that we would never leave his feet. It's St. Mary Magdalene who shows us where we must always remain, at the feet of our Eucharistic Lord. Thanks to Father Sean Davidson, my guest today. Friends, make sure to share this and other episodes of Your Catholic Life on Facebook and Twitter, inviting your friends to take part in the show. Visit our website at yourcatholiclifepodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm John Linetti signing off here on Your Catholic Life. Remember, the only way to happiness is by holiness. Be confident in Christ's mercy and his love today.